contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined, as always, by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. We're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Uh, come check us out. Podcasts, fantasy advice when we get there. You're going to have to listen to talk us talk about draft for the next week at least, but uh, you can come check us all out. Broadwaysportsmedia.com. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. I feel like this is the first time the three of us have been together in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it has. Hasn't yeah. it? It's been a minute. It's been, it's a, been a minute. minute. It's, it's good to get. It's time. good to get the boys back together for the draft. Has this off season felt longer than last year's off season? I think it's been more annoying. I feel like it's definitely more annoying. It has been more annoying, and I'm going to say this lightly because I know obviously there's a, a chunk of our website that is dedicated to this, and fans love it. But I hate mock drafts. If I never hear the word mock draft ever again, <laughs> I would be pleased. I. I I think that once you run more than one mock draft, there's no point to it. I, I just don't ever want to hear it again. I think you I've should have like you. three, right? You should have one before free agency, one after free agency, and one right before the draft. Fair enough. Maybe I've, one after the combine or something, if there's like a date there that doesn't match up. I've I've joined you on this hill, Mike. Was, I, I, at the very first part of, the off season, you know, you, you kind of like doing it. Cause you're like, okay, this is cool. Let's see what it might look like. See where guys are going and stuff like that. But at this point, these things have been going on for four months, nonstop. And I don't care who you got in your mock draft. I'm sorry. I don't care. Like you send them to me and stuff. And I'm like, I look at them for two seconds and I'm like, yeah, whatever. That means nothing. Like, you know, you ran a simulation and this guy happened to fall to you at 22. Great. Congratulations. Like, so you, so you want all of our listeners from now till Thursday oh to God. do a mock Please draft and tag you in it. Absolutely. I will delete my Twitter. Mike miracles. Please I will delete my Mike Twitter. And and you'll <laughs> never see me again. Listen, what I you want to see your mock every draft. mock draft that you do. So Mike, Mike, Mike is up usually around, I'd say 536 a.m. with a child. So 6 a.m. Start tweeting him each individual pick as you make them. <laughs> and then if he doesn't respond, make sure you DM him. And if I, am, I am throwing out blocks like the Kimbe Matumbo. Then start DM like a hundred percent. Start DMing me and then I'll DM Mike for you. Um so <laughs> <clears throat> yes, this offseason feels like it's been forever. And I, has. I think, I oh think something has to do with like that the expectation for this year's NFL season, just with it's probably going to feel a hell of a lot normal than last year. I think that's got something to do with it. But the endless mock drafting, I just, I, I can't deal with it because, and I get the purpose of it. I really truly do. But I feel like at some point when you start getting so deep into mock drafts that you're doing, trades and that kind of stuff you're not taking into account the psychopath gms and 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 the and the shit they do you know i mean i i think you're speculating on a speculation at that point and it starts to get out of hand well you know let, i want to get into this a little bit because this will actually lead into our our first topic of the discussion but it's it's like the mock draft machine itself doesn't really i don't know why the people still have wide receiver for the Dolphins as still the number one thing. They have Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, uh, 
and Mike Gusecki and all those people, and they still have wide receiver as the number one thing they're going to take at number, uh, I think they're at number six or whatever. And then the whole new thing is that Jamar Chase is going to go to the Bengals. Listen, just because Joe Burrow said that he wants Jamar Chase doesn't mean that's what the Bengals are going to do. They're going to protect their franchise quarterback. Like, I'm so sick of the, it's gotten lazy, I feel like. I feel like it's just lazy and doesn't evolve through. The only thing that evolves is when medicals or um, off-field issues come up. That's the only thing that ever drops anybody. I mean, it's other than that, it never evolves, and, and it just pigeonholes these teams. Look, I'm going to say right now, Dolphins aren't taking a wide receiver at six. Sorry. If that's a, they may be at eight or seven or wherever, but wherever they're at in that top 10, they're not taking a wide receiver there because they don't need one. I don't get this idea that they need one. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge need, but I mean, and we'll talk about this in a minute. I don't think you have to go just go get your biggest need with your first pick. I don't, I don't think you have to do that. Like if, you, if you there's a guy the glaring holes, you need to in the top 10, mm. you, you feel the glaring holes and there's a top 10 player at every position, except for defensive tackle, arguably. Right. I mean, like if you have a cornerback need, you can get you a cornerback in the top one. You can get you this, like, you can get you that. Here, here's an example. I don't think the Falcons biggest need is tight end. I think they're like Hayden Hurst is okay. Um, but Kyle Pitts is the best player in the draft, not named that's not a quarterback, Hayden right? Hurst sucks. I mean, is he like right, 50 right. years that, old? That, that's that's fine. That's fine. But the the Falcons need everything on defense, right? They have no edge rushers. They have n- nobody but Grady Jarrett on that defense, basically, as a plus player. So they desperately need defense, but they should absolutely take Kyle Pitts because he's like a generational tight end. Go uh, get it. Like, I don't think he's going to be this. I He is not going to live up to the expectations the nerd community has put on him. I just don't feel it. I just I just feel like. I mean, that's very possible because yeah. at this point, the nerd community has deemed him like. Calvin uh, Johnson. He's Tony Calvin Gonzalez Johnson. Tony Gonzalez slash, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey slash, you know, all the greatest tight ends of, com- of all time combined into some Megatron uh, human being. Um, yeah, that, that's what they've built him up to be at this point. So, yeah, I don't think they're, they're he's living, living up to that hype. But I think he's the best player non-quarterback. I'll draft. say this. He's going to be more the John Cena Transformers Bumblebee movie than he is uh, the first Transformers movie. <laughs> I was kind of thinking more of, like, Travis Kelsey in a Voltron suit, which is, <laughs> I think, more of an apt comparison. Here's the second part of this that I want to get into that kind of drives me nuts. The whole phrase of ex-player their draft stock is going up or down. Okay. Short of an issue coming out during this lead up to the draft of a player steals a car, a player commits a crime, or they have some sort of injury or or (laughs) gas mask bog, which is one of the absolute wildest things I've ever witnessed live. And, and, and I'm so glad I did. That was actually kind of one of my introductions to Twitter watching Laramie Tunsil's like the stuff pop up on Twitter and then watching his stock actually drop, watching his pick actually, you know, just, you know, down to down. But I feel like this lead up to the draft of people saying that, okay, Christian Barmore's stock is reportedly dropping ahead of the NFL draft. Who's putting this stuff out there? Is this someone's I, agent that's putting this out there? Is it teams that are putting this out well, there? This is one, it, it's, it's teams from what they heard of from scouts on the team. Which is it's so, wild. I'll I'll tell you exactly what this is though. This is the media finding out more information, right? Like so, instead of saying they're they were 
off on a player to begin with in their mock drafts and their big boards and all the other, you know, draft propaganda that they put out throughout the process. Instead of saying they were off from what the NFL views this guy, they just say, oh, his stock is moving up. No, his stock was probably always there, but now you know where where teams actually view him and you're adjusting your rankings accordingly. I think that's really what is happening when these guys, quote-unquote, are moving up and down the draft board at this time of the year. Yeah, because, I mean, teams kind of know the players that they're going to be looking at, right? I mean, San Francisco does not trade up to number three without knowing this quarterback is our guy. They're not going up to number three and saying, well – you know, we don't know who we're going to pick. We got three quarterbacks better, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're trading up with the idea that there is a number one. Now, can their opinion change? Sure. But they're trading up with the fact that they have a number one QB that they know they're going to get out of those three. They have the preferred one. Yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm at my, I'm at my absolute breaking point. What I like about next week is that even though we'll still be discussing the trap next week, we'll have some actual tangible picks to talk about. And we'll also have some 2022 oh. mock drafts to talk about because they <laughs> oh, always yeah, come yeah. after that first, after on that Monday, uh, you'll have 2022 mock drafts already starting. I, I, okay, I'll make a deal with you. We can spend half the podcast talking about mock drafts if I can spend the other half of the podcast breaking down Isaiah Wilson's rap right. album. <laughs> and you have to sit there. We need to get you your own special episode. And you have to participate. Oh, well, um, I'm not bringing up any more mock drafts <laughs> for 2022. All right, let's let's talk Julio Jones. Um, was it um, Peter King? And why am I blanking on his damn name? Peter King. Peter King. Peter King says that he speculates that Julio Jones, uh, that the Titans would possibly be interested among a couple of other teams if uh, the Falcons are looking to trade him. A, do you think the Falcons are actually looking to trade him? And B, is this a real connection or is it just, is it a trash connection? Do you even believe any of this? Here's, and this goes back to the Jamar Chase Bengals thing you know, because Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, it's lazy, right? We're going to be linked to every Atlanta player that comes up on the trading block or there's any discussion, whether we're actually interested or not, because there is a now a link between the Tennessee Titans and the Atlanta Falcons in a in Art Smith being there. It's going to be the laziest connection ever, and it's going to be maddening. It doesn't matter if we even need the player. There's going to be people, oh, well, you know, the Art Smith's former team, Tennessee Titans, could pro- possibly be a trade choice. And then it's going to leak into Twitter, and everybody's going to be coming up with these crazy ass scenarios. Oh, you could trade a 2022 pick for him, or you could trade a 2023 pick for him. Look, Julio Jones is not coming to the Tennessee Titans. There you go. It's over, done. Let's quit talking about it. We we don't have the cap space for it currently. We. We don't have, and, and granted, wow, the, Zach, Zach using cap space is a reason why we can't get someone. What happened? He, listen, he's thirty-two. He needs a, <laughs> he he averages a hundred and twenty-eight targets a season. We don't have that kind of volume to necessitate trading draft picks for Julio Jones, a thirty-two-year-old injury-prone wide receiver. Go to sportsinjurypredictor.com, put in Julio Jones' name, and you're going to see. A hundred times the injuries that Marcus suffered. Okay. That list is long. Granted, he played through a lot of the injuries, but 
Julio Jones can disappear for times at a game. I am not, and it's I, it's crazy because I'm an Al, University of Alabama fan, but I've never really liked Julio Jones. Now, I'm not saying that he's not a really great wide receiver, but I am not giving up what I need to give up to get Julio Jones. There's just no point in it at this point. You draft a young wide receiver in the first round and move on and build the rest of your team. Don't trade away picks for an aging guy just because you saw a jersey swap with him and A.J. Brown uh, back when they played in 2019. Like, give me a fucking break. God, I hate the offseason right now. And I used to love it. This season's destroyed me. It's killed you. It's killed him because Zach just had to go to salary cap, which he he believes is fake. And it's, it's, it's starting to sell fake. me on yeah. as a reason why we can't acquire a player. It's only fake when I need it to be fake. That's like most right. of my it's, arguments. It's only fake when, when he, the player, when he wants the player, if, if he doesn't want the player, then it's a big time problem. Big time Absolutely. Problem. I believe in the moon landing up until the point where I'm hitting on a lovely Russian woman. So <laughs> absolutely. Totally understand that argument. Now I look, I'm, I, I'm one of those that look, Peter King serves a purpose, but Peter King, it just, he's got too many instances of wild speculation that goes nowhere and, and being a mouthpiece for NFL teams or the NFL as a whole. I mean, I, I think teams are I, calling I, about Hulu, but I think sure. teams are calling about all kinds of players. And, but I and think here's the, the thing. He also said he was just speculating. Yeah. Well, he said, yes. you know, it's because the Titans and Ravens have needs at wide receiver. Why he would think they might be teams that would be calling about him, not reporting that they had called about him or anything else like that. That's already been, you know, twisted, you know, it's nothing at this point. It's nothing besides like a trade with Julio could happen. He thinks maybe the Titans would make sense because they need a receiver. End of story. Like, I mean, that's, that's not news. That's one guy's opinion. Um, it's not, it's not anything. It's not anything to be excited about or talk about or anything like that. It's just, it is a guy just blowing hot air on a column. Yeah. And historically, this team is not going to trade for Julio Jones. I mean, just like John Robinson's not going to spend the draft capital to trade for Julio Jones. Yeah. Podcast listeners, this is clickbait. This is exactly the definition of clickbait. It is somebody speculating so that you read Titans, Julio Jones, and you go, oh my God, is that happening? That There's nothing to it. Look, I'm going to start looking for a house this summer. I'm sure there's a $15 million house in Brentwood somewhere. Is Michael interested? Yes, of course. Are you going to call on it? Does, <laughs> does it fall within my wheelhouse to be able to acquire it? Unfortunately, it does not. Especially if this house, you know, has some plumbing issues and the basement could explode at some point. So, yeah, look, it's just don't get yourself wrapped up too much into things like speculating. And in Peter King's defense, exactly what Mike said. He even said it in the article that he's speculating. So just read it and let it fall in one side of your face and out of the other and move on with your day. Yeah, just get ready, though. I mean, like, in Keanu Neal, if he comes up for trade or Grady Jarrett comes up for trade or Calvin Ridley or, hell, if Hayden Hurst comes up for trade, someone's going to speculate that, oh, it could be the Tennessee Titans. Every Atlanta player from now on that comes up to trade is going to be speculated that the Tennessee Titans could be a runner, a team. I feel like yeah. I feel like Titans fans are getting a little bit better about the whole, like, X big name has come up let's freak out on Twitter and then again, freak out when, when Robinson apparently did not try to acquire this person. I feel like Titans fans have gotten a little better. And I think that 
Clowney may have had something to do with that, right? A lot of a lot of pining for Clowney, and then he showed up and you know just kind of clocked in and sat in the corner. So I'm still waiting for Des Bryant to fix everything in this passing attack, honestly. Well, hey, you know, according to NFL rums, uh, we're we're talking to Golden Tate. Like, give me a break. Yeah, that fucking another geriatric receiver. Great. Another geriatric. We're going to have Golden Tate and Julio Jones next season. No oh. A.J. Brown. No first-round pick. We're going to be so it's good in 2014. Boring. I can't wait. It's going to be so, so good. Um, All right. Let's talk about uh, a couple of controversial draft prospects for the Titans. I'm going to let Zach and Mike go crazy on this because I don't know a lot about some of these names, so we're going to let them handle the majority of this, but... One of the names you get listed here, Zach, is Elijah Moore. Why, why would this be controversial for the Titans? Well, and and I think it's just because of number 22, but there there's this narrative. It's not necessarily that I think it's controversial, but he's he's a, a hot topic uh, among the Titans community, right? Um, is 22 too high? Will he be there at 53? Um, is he going to be able to play outside? Is he slot only? L- let me say this. Uh, Matt Harmon, who is probably, to me, my go-to for any kind of wide receiver information. This guy has been on Tyler Lockett. I mean, he's been on a cup, a lot of receivers because this is what he does, right? The uh, reception, reception perception, perception yeah. is his bread and butter. He's dove into it. He used to be an all-encompassing fantasy analyst, and then he just went into the reception perception. And that's the guy you need to go to about route running. What can a receiver do? What's in his wheelhouse? That's the guy. He says that Elijah Moore can be that 60% on the slot, 40% on the outside kind of guy, a chess piece. He can be that guy based on what he's seen, and he can go up against main press coverage. Elijah Moore is a lot more than just A.J. Brown's buddy. And I, and I think some people on Twitter are – just out on Elijah Moore without any reason other than he's, oh, well, tight, the only reason Titans fans want him at 22 is because uh, A.J. Brown said he wants him. A lot of Titans fans and a lot of analysts want Elijah Moore because he's good. I mean, there's just no way around it. I mean, he is a very, 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 very awesome wide receiver, and he had, like, some kind of crazy, and I don't, I know that he did, but I don't know the actual stats off the top of my head. I I don't have them up on Twitter. But for like the last eight games or last four games of the year, I mean, he averaged like eight catches and 120 yards or 200 yards actually per game. This guy is amazing. Uh, Just watch the film. He doesn't play like a five, nine receiver. He plays like a six foot one receiver. He's, he's really good. He could play the outside. Yes. He is when you look at him, yeah, he's probably the slot guy, and that's probably well he he will play the majority of the snaps, but doesn't mean that's what he's limited to. His ceiling is out of this world good. You're talking about a wide receiver that could probably be a great number two to AJ Brown's number eleven. Listen, if 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 um Elijah Moore played for uh Charleston and he put on the kind of show that he did last year. I'd still be all about him. It doesn't matter that he went to Ole Miss. I don't care what fucking players think. Players, to me, don't know shit about about what happens in college football. They don't know about it. Like, that kind of shit just doesn't matter. 
I remember asking Will Compton about uh, Mark Davis's haircut. He didn't even know who the fuck Mark Davis was. Ironically enough, he goes to play with the Raiders that year. So, like, <laughs> to me, the, the, these guys, you, I don't care what the players think. I care about what I've seen, what they did against high-level competition. And to me, Elijah Moore can be a number two wide receiver with great upside. I just don't get why some, and, and nobody has given me a reason other than he, the reason we don't need to draft him is because he's AJ Brown's friend or whatever. That's the only reason or I've because ever seen. he's, or because he's small, like he's slightly less than five ten, and you know, but I mean, listen, go through this entire draft class. Um, in like the top 15 to 20 receivers in this draft class, there are three guys who are both over six feet and over 200 pounds. And that's uh, Jamar Chase, who's obviously not going to be there. Uh, Terrace Marshall and Nico Collins. Like those are the three big guys. Everyone else is either super thin, uh, like Devonte Smith, you know, six, one, one sixty six or whatever he is. Uh, or super short, like, you know, Elijah Moore is short. Rondell Moore is super short. Um, he's like five seven or something like that. So there, it's a weird class. It's a small class. It's filled with these guys that probably need to play either slot or Z only uh, type wide receivers. They need to be off the line of scrimmage. They be, need to be moved so they can help get off press. I do think Elijah Moore actually can get off press though. I, I've seen him do it a little bit at Ole Miss. Um, I think he's the probably second best route runner in this class behind Devonte Smith. Um, and the guy, as far as creating separation, maybe even better than Devonte Smith, as far as a route runner goes. So I've seen lately reports that uh, I think McShay said on uh, Ryan Rosillo's podcast earlier this week, that Elijah Moore, every team that he's talked to about wide receivers uh, in the past week has had Elijah Moore as the wide receiver four behind you know the Smith Waddle Chase uh group at the top so I think Elijah Moore's going in the first round frankly I don't know if he's going to be there at 22 um and, and Harmon who you mentioned earlier makes the comp to you know he's he's got he's used two comps with him that I've seen out there Tyler Lockett who obviously very similar size kind of profile um and has been wildly successful for the Seahawks and then Antonio Brown which frankly I get it. Like I, I can see the comp with Antonio Brown. They're basically the exact same size. A lot of the route running and just the suddenness um, that he plays the position with is, is very similar uh, to Antonio Brown. So I don't buy the idea that this guy has to be a slot only gadget type receiver. I think he can do a lot more. Um, and I'd be perfectly happy with him at 22 if he's the pick. I mean, I, mean, I don't think he's going to get to 53. I think there's zero chance he gets to 53. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm rooting for him to go in the first round, whether it's to the Titans or to another team, because I have a, have a avatar Twitter avatar bet with uh, Justin Mello of BroadwaySportsMedia.com, and you know, I told You're him a couple. That. Told him a couple months ago that I said Elijah Moore is going to run up these draft boards and he's going to go in the first round. I, I tell you what, I'm a draft expert. I'm just going to call it right now. I am a draft expert. What, draft one expert, last, Zach Lyons. One last thing on Elijah Moore and the whole size thing. The Titans played Khalif Raymond outside more often than they played him in the slot over the last two years. 
and he's 5'8", 175 pounds. Hey, and some of Cam like, Batson's best plays have been when he's yes. lined up on the outside, by the way. Yes, yeah, and, and they play Batson outside. They clearly do not care about size on the outside. They've got A.J. Brown to play that big physical X role. It, they've got Josh Reynolds, who has good size. Adding a, a dude that's a little bit smaller and maybe more dynamic, I don't have an issue with that at all if I'm the Titans. Like, not at all. That is not a problem for me. I, I think they're very much in play for some of these smaller guys. I mean, at this point, if you hate Elijah Moore, get your head out head out your ass. Exactly. Get it out your ass. Pop it on out of there, <laughs> ass heads. <laughs> kind of just jammed in your ass. I, I, uh, I, I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. I think I've made no secret of that. I actually would love to see the Titans take him in the first round for, for selfish reasons of my own weird obsession with him. Um, I, I, I want to talk about Christian Barmore, who I brought up earlier. Um, this is one of the ones that I used an example of his draft stock is fluctuating. I kind of want to know why. And if this were a pick by the Titans, would it, would it bother you? Yes. Okay. I just tweeted uh, during during this podcast my top five don't wants at twenty two, and he's number one. And again, Alabama fan, and I was really big on Christian Barmore until you hear all this stuff about him not giving it as all, and then you go back and kind of look at everything, and he was very inconsistent. He never really dominated consistently, right? That, that's what you want on your defensive tackle. But apparently he's like lazy in practice, lazy in the books and all, and you know, learning the playbook. And then yesterday, all you have to do is go to Twitter and search Saban. And the first thing that should come up is a video of him talking about the two most important words for draft prospects on that he preaches to his team, he says, is what I tell all my guys, ands and buts are the two most important words because you could be this great player and they'll say, and he comes to all the practices. He works hard. He graduated. He's a good guy. Or they say all these great things about you on the field and they go, but you know, he got a DUI or he's lazy or he's not a good team player. So Nick Saban has been with Christian Barmore for two years now and has been preaching this right and teaching him this. And there are still reports coming out about, how he doesn't take coaching very well and he doesn't do this and doesn't do that. I'm out. I was out a couple of weeks ago on Christian Barmore. Now this, this video of Saban telling us what he talks about to his players and, and blah, blah, blah. We're talking about, this is a guy that went to bat for Ruben Foster, right? Great teammate. Do you want a linebacker or a candy striper? Famous line back a few years ago. Now Ruben Foster flamed out, but he went to bat for him. I just got to think that Christian Barmore, there's something about, him that I know is the defensive tackle class sucks, but so did the year that we drafted Daquan Jones in 2014. I looked at it. It was Aaron Donald and that was it. <laughs> I mean like that, yeah. that whole draft sucked and it was Aaron Donald was the only good one. And you go down the list. It's terrible list. And this is just like that year. And the Tennessee Titans drafted Daquan Jones in the fourth round just draft a guy later. If you need a defensive tackle that bad, just draft him later. I'm out on Christian Barmore. I'm out on Levi on Zuriki, but I'm out on Christian Barmore because I just think it's just a disaster. And you cannot afford if you're the Tennessee Titans to take Isaiah Wilson and Christian Barmore right now. Yeah, exactly. And I totally agree with you. And, and, 
you know, the quote, um, it came from Bob McGinn's piece uh, on The Athletic that where he talks to all these anonymous scouts and stuff like that and, and provides quotes and, and all that good stuff. And, you know, his, he said several teams express concerns about what they say is his resistance to coaching and structure at Alabama. Um, and there was also a quote in there from a scout talking about how Barmore, like, you know, Alabama's produced a ton of, of really high-end defensive linemen uh, during Saban's tenure there. And, I mean, they produce high-end everything uh, during Saban's tenure there. But, you know, you kind of – it's a good school to kind of be able to feel confident in your evaluations from because there's so much of a track record of how they do things with certain guys. And this scout was saying, you know – other guys that have come through there that have been top defensive tackles, they've played 80% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps, stuff like that. They don't rotate out very much. Barmore was like 50-50. Like he was a rotational guy, basically. He was in and out of the game. And I don't know if that's conditioning or, or anything else, but I can say it probably doesn't bode terribly well for him. Um, now, he's still produced, and, and there's certainly flashes. Like, you can see the talent, right? And from a talent alone standpoint, I think he's very clearly the best defensive tackle in a what is a terrible defensive class, defensive tackle class. Several people, I mean, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah said, worst defensive tackle class in a decade. I think Matt Miller said this is the worst one he's ever scouted. Um, so, it's a terrible class, and that's I think that scarcity is why the Titans could get, you know, almost tricked into taking one of these guys high just because they're worried. Well, there's only one or two guys here that we like. And if we don't take them, then we might not get one at all. Um, and that's true, but I, I feel like that's just a risk you're going to have to take at this point. And I would not reach for this guy. I think he's, especially coming off the Isaiah Wilson thing. I think he's got all the same red flags that Isaiah Wilson did. Uh, it's not they're more, much more public right now They're Yeah. They're way more public um, than what Isaiah Wilson ever had out there, but it's a lot of the same stuff. And I just, if I'm John Robinson, I am not going down that road again. I don't care how talented the kid is. I'm not tricking myself into thinking that I can fix him. And then, uh, you know, once he gets in our locker room, it's all going to be different because you just saw this movie happen. Like, do not touch this kid. Don't touch him at 22. I don't even think I'd touch him at 53 at this point. I'm just out. I'm out on Barmore. Anuizarike, it's fine. He's not like a special player, I don't think. I wouldn't touch him at 22. 53, sure, if you want to. But, uh, yeah, it. It's just a – I would almost prefer to just wait and see if, like, Aleem McNeil or Tyler Shelvin drops into the third, fourth round range and maybe grab a guy there. And let me say this. I think the 2014 draft class is worse than this one. Listen to this. Aaron Donald, okay, one. Dominic Easley, Rashid Hageman, Timmy Jernigan, Ego Ferguson, Jay Bromley, Will Sutton, Lewis Nix, Kirill Thornton all went from first round to third round. Yeah, there's nobody bad. after that, but until Daquan Jones that really made an impact for any of their teams, and Daquan Jones was in the fourth round. I mean, like this was this. I know that this is a bad draft class. 2014 was worse for defensive and, tackles. And part part of the problem here is like defensive tackles and interior defensive linemen that are good are just so scarce, and that makes them so valuable when you can find one because there's only so many guys that are 
you know, six, four to 300 pounds can move well enough to, to beat blocks in a phone booth and, and be strong enough to hold up to double teams from two other 300 plus pound men. Like it is a very unique skill set to begin with and to be really good at it. It it's so valuable for your team because guys like, you know, Chris Jones and, and, you know, the top defensive tackles in the league, Aaron Donald, obviously, that can disrupt right there in the middle of the action are they're a nightmare for offenses to deal with. But I don't, if there's just not a good one, there's just not a good one. You can't talk yourself into there being a good one just because you need one and there's not very many, right? I mean, it's a bad draft to to have to need a defensive tackle. Are you going to be able to talk yourself into it after they actually do the draft? Not on drafted Christian Barmore, Levi on Zuriki. I mean, one of those two, look, would you, look, would you turn into company man, Mike, the corporate no, corporate shield that you are and, and be like, Oh yeah, this is good. I get it. No, I mean like, look, there's redeeming qualities for both of those players as far as like what they can actually do on the field. But from a value standpoint, from an investment standpoint, no, I'm not, I wouldn't be happy with it. Now when the regular season kicks off and Barmore or on Wuzurike are in the game. I'm, am I going to be interested to see what they can do? Absolutely. I mean, who knows? Like, and this is another point we can talk about this more later if you want, but the draft is such a crapshoot, and, and I think that's something that it gets buried this time of year because media wants to come out and, you know, and everybody has to be, if you don't have a strong take on a guy, like it's just not good TV. Like if you, you can't just go on TV and say, oh, we don't know what's going to happen because you know, the draft's a crapshoot and 50% of these guys that we think are really good are going to be terrible and out of the league in three years. But that's the reality of the situation, right? Like, you know, we go back and look at previous drafts and look at how many guys just in the first round just bust out of the league and are awful. It's we should do that. Okay, we, should take the, we should take the 32 picks of this draft after it's over the first 32 and let's all write down and we'll do an episode and we're going to, all three of us will say boom, bust, or just a guy. I'm actually going to okay. DVR the, I'm going to DVR the first round this year because I, I really, I, and I want to DVR multiple channels coverage, you know, ESPN NFL network, because I want to see the talking heads and kind of their how ridiculous they'll get with their oh he's got a skill set that's just gonna transfer so well to the NFL and then wait until they hit the field and it doesn't turn into a damn thing. So that's the kind of thing I want to look at. I've always wanted to go back at previous drafts and look at just how wrong some of these analysts are. Because Mike's right, you, you can't just get up there and go oh yeah, I mean he could be all right. <laughs> you know, I mean that's right. like that doesn't yeah. translate. You can't do that. I mean it's like covering poker. You got to be excited about the fact that this guy just turned over a nine of spades. Oh, oh my god, that could do it right here. You got to. I mean, you have to act like it's the biggest thing ever when a team takes and yeah, it's it's uh, it's silliness. A lot of pomp and circumstance, but that's that's exactly what you have to do to cover. Well, one this. last thing. So yesterday, Mel Kiper said. Uh, it was been 11 years ago to, to the date yesterday, uh, Monday, that Mel Kuyper said that if in eight years Jimmy Clausen wasn't success, a successful NFL quarterback, he'd quit ESPN. He said that when Jimmy Clausen got drafted by the Panthers. Still waiting on you. Still waiting on you, Mel Kuyper, to listen, quit ESPN. Go to NFL Network or somewhere, but you should be quitting ESPN. Listen, let, let's talk about Mel Kuyper for a second, okay? He looks like hey. uh, Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was going to say, A, 
this man is being kept alive in a vat of blood all year until they dig him up for the draft. B, this man has said multiple times that he orders a pizza, scrapes everything off, including the cheese and sauce, puts mashed potatoes on it, and eats it. Disgusting. I don't even... I don't even know where to begin with this. I, I this this man eats humans. I mean, there's just no other way around this. I, you can't go on live TV and talk about you're putting mashed potatoes on pizza if you're telling me you're not just swimming in a vat of blood the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, those aren't gr- those aren't mashed potatoes. Those are ground up bones of his victims. I mean, <laughs> come on, let's be I real just, here. That's <laughs> no foul. Uh, that uh, Jimmy Clausen take foul. Uh, all right, let's move on to one more. Um, JOK out of out of um notre dame now let me try to say this name without butchering it jeremiah wusu wusu oh my god wusu koromoa did i even get that close that's it that's it you nailed it look at you look at that wonderful hooked on on phonics has you see george costanza i'm out that's it (laughs) linebacker linebacker out of notre dame why is this a controversial pick to you because we don't need it i understand that he may be like the best player available when we go and pick. And and I really don't think he's going to be there, but it's it, there are rumors that came out recently that JOK and Trevor Mooring, uh, safety out of TCU, could be are a lot higher on our draft board or something like that. And, you know, the first off, I'll be okay with JOK. I could talk myself into it because Rashawn Evans is just awful, right? I mean, like, if you're... Mike talked about it a couple weeks ago. You need a plan for not just this year, but four or five years down the road in roster planning when you're at the draft, right? So, JOK, I could talk myself into it. Trevor Mooring, no. And and the thing was is that uh, I believe Jonathan Bourne, he heard it on a podcast, but they were talking about you uh, you can rebuild that secondary with Trevor Mooring, build it around him or something. Well, the multi-million dollar safety that we just paid for that is still fairly young in Kevin Byard, that's the guy that y'all need to be rebuilding around, right? I mean, like, it's just Trevor Mooring just does not seem like that's a viable pick for the Titans. And that would be a pick that would make me utterly upset up there with Christian Barmore. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in that I would like Mooring less than... JOK. JOK to me, ultimately, like, there's not a whole lot of positions on the Titans roster that I feel like so good about the pieces they have there that there's nobody in this draft that could possibly upgrade it or make them better there. I mean, and linebacker definitely isn't one. Like, Rashawn Evans heading into the final year of his rookie contract, Jayon Brown's on a one year deal. That position you know even if you like those guys a little bit and these guys those guys have both made plays at points uh in titans uniforms but they're you can't be satisfied with what they've done over the past few years and if jok is the best player on your board and a lot of people have him as like a top 10 player in this draft you know top 10 to to 15 range for the most part almost everybody has him in that range and he's very much a modern linebacker like what i think you know a a modern linebacker is going to be and the thing is yes he's undersized he's like 6 1 220 something like that but he's not that undersized and the way he plays the physicality that he plays with 
Notre Dame stuck him in the A gap, you know, plenty, uh, and had him just stuffing stuffing guards and centers and stuff like that. And and he plays with enough pop that he can do that. Um, I think you can also line him up in at like slot corner in, on early downs if you wanted to, and like a big nickel kind of look. I think he's a very versatile piece. You could play him with any combination of guys. And look, if if he ultimately football comes down to like who makes the most plays. And if he makes more plays than, uh, you know, Greg Newsome or whatever corner, best corner available at 22 ends up being. And I think JOK is a way better player than Greg Newsome. If, if you're saying, all right, well, we've got to fill this need and we've got to go get Greg Newsome because, you know, we've got to have our name to write down at corner. I don't give a shit about that. Give me the guy who goes and makes plays all over the field. And if that guy plays linebacker and you play him at a little slot corner and safety or just line him up wherever you want to put a guy on the field that will make plays and help your defense. And I think JOK will do that. Um, So I think there's a case to be made for him. If he ends up being there, like you said, I don't think he's going to be there. So I don't want to go too overboard on it, but if he falls in your lap at 22, I don't see how you could not look at him and go, man, that's awfully tempting because he's a big time playmaker. You know, and, and it's just like we were talking about. I mean, again, the the draft is a it, it's a crapshoot, right? I mean, he ended up being a superstar. Or he could end up just being JOK. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, the JOKs write themselves. That's an applause. That was good. I'm sorry. It's early. Was I was so excited about ripping that one off. I um okay, so <laughs> I want to talk about least favorite narrative involving the Titans with the draft. Zach, I'll let you go first. I, I think my least favorite is that they are that they need a defensive tackle in the first round. I think that is my least favorite. It's been a long road to get here. Because uh, at one point, like I said, I wasn't on Christian Barmore, but now, and I did think that they needed defensive tackle. But the more I think about it, and the more I go back and watch a few games and see that we really rarely use three uh, down linemen in in a lot of our defensive snaps. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not there that they need that in. It's kind of like right tackle to me. I just don't feel like that neither of those really need to be high up on the list until later. And I think they both need to be addressed in the draft, but not till later. So I think that's my least favorite draft narrative right now. Uh, and my second least, uh, uh, 1B, the trade up, trade down. Listen, I don't think they're going to trade. I think they're going to be stuck at 22 because I just think that's how the draft's going to fall. Mine is don't trade up. Like that, my or like my, that, my narrative that I hate the most is the idea that the Titans should trade up for anybody who is not a quarterback, because history tells us that trading up for a non-quarterback is is bad business. Like, sure, there are examples where it works out, and you can point to those and say, "Oh, look, you know, here they got a good good player." Well, there's also examples where it doesn't work out, and there's a lot more examples where it doesn't work out because. As we just talked about, the draft is a little bit of a crapshoot. And let's take the example of Rashawn Evans uh, in, in 2018 and the trade-up that the Titans jumped from 25 to 22 to go get their guy. Uh, they, they jumped the Patriots, who were rumored to be interested in Evans, and, and the rumor was also that the Steelers were trying to trade up to go get Evans. Uh, so they, they, they felt the pressure to go move up. So they trade away a fourth-round pick. I think they got back like a, a late six or something like that. Um, but they traded 25 and, and a fourth. 
to go up to 22 to get their guy. Well, guess what? Their guy is not nearly as good as the linebackers that fell in the early second and early third, which were the next two linebackers off the board, Darius Leonard and Fred Warner, also known as the two first-team all-pro inside linebackers from this past season. And guess what? Rashawn Evans probably isn't going to have his fifth-year option picked up. He's not nearly the player that either of those two guys are. But the Titans were so sure that Evans was the guy that they traded picks to move up and get it. The, the history of the draft tells us that more often than not, you're better off just taking the guy that falls to you, that you like the best, and then accumulating where you can accumulate more picks. So trade back, you know, get, get additional picks through compensatory uh, draft selections and stuff like that, which the Titans are starting to accumulate now that they're drafting a little bit better. Um, that is the way to increase value in the draft is getting more picks, not, not giving away picks to get your guy because teams don't know who the best players are going to be. If there were, if they were, we'd look back at all these drafts and go, yeah, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. That's the order of how good these guys are. How many drafts can we look back and actually say one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. That's the order of how the none zero that never happened. So you don't have any certainty and you're giving away draft assets to, to pick a guy that probably isn't any better than the guy that you could have got just waiting at your pick. So don't trade up. Zach prediction on Titans uh, first round Thursday. Who are they taking? Well, gun to my head. If all things are equal, they're taking Levi on Zuriki and I'm going to, cause they hate me. They obviously, they obviously hate me and they're out to make my life miserable. Um, so I would say, I think it's down to three people, Caleb Farley, Levi and Elijah Moore. And I think it's probably going to end up being Levi. Mike. Say, I I would, I I think that's about the right group. I think you'd add Tevin Jenkins to that group. And I don't know. I, as much as I'm tempted to, to say Levi, just because, you know, Matt Miller's been dead on the Titans uh, the last couple years, but I almost feel like the Titans probably know that, and maybe they fed him a little uh, curveball this year to kind of throw him off the scent. Um, I'm gonna say they they take. I'm gonna say they take uh, Tevin Jenkins because I, I think he he fits. It's gonna send everyone into a, a tizzy. Uh, which is is just perfect because the Titans in the first round, they never take the guy that everyone wants, except for uh, when they took Corey Davis. And then, uh, you know, that, that not really being a very good pick. Zach just made a face like Mike let off a hot fart right in his face. <laughs> I'm really hoping that Tevin Chica just goes to the Colts. I don't care if it makes their offensive that, line better. I just don't fucking want them. And, and that's that's my um, prediction. It's not necessarily what I want, but yeah. I, I think that's the way they go. Company man, Mike, you heard it first. He wants and predicts. His <laughs> keyword is once. Um, <laughs> all right. I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap this up. Um, Roger Sherman of the ringer yesterday tweeted out something that is a nice little dig at the Jags. And I love it because I am here for all things Jags digs. Um, and, and I'm also, I like digging into Brian Schottenheimer, who is one of those names that is out there that I feel like Titans fans not Titans fans, NFL fans in general, just like, oh, that's a name I recognize. Yeah, he could be good for us. Um, I'm, I'm going to sum this up because it's kind of a long story, but essentially while Brian Schottenheimer was at Georgia, he just kind of 
shunned off, forgot about, and didn't make Trevor Lawrence an offer um, to to play at Georgia. And it, it reportedly pissed Lawrence off. It's like, all right, I'm not going to play in my home state. I'll end up going to Clemson. Um, but really, the, the kind of the note that I like to throw in there with this is that um, Brian Schottenheimer has not been good in the NFL. I, I mean, he just he, he has not been. He has a history of not being good at the NFL. Um, the last quote that he has in this article is, maybe you remember the stretch of when he had Drew Brees with him as the only years of Drew Brees' career in which he didn't look like one of the best quarterbacks in history. So, of course, to bring this all back around, Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville, and guess who his QB's coach is going to be? Brian oh, Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer. I am so excited. I, I did not realize this story, and this story is I didn't so either. delicious. It's, it's delicious because <laughs> it is the only way the Jaguars could get even worse is if they bring on Adam Gase as an offensive analyst of some sort. <clears throat> and it, I mean, could you imagine Adam Gase and Brian Schottenheimer just utterly destroying and derailing Trevor Lawrence's career. And Trevor Lawrence is like, okay, I'm out. Cause I'm not really don't need football. Right. I I'm interested in other stuff. And that's exactly what he said. So this is just, it's just great. This is, this is a mess. How did you know you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? You're urban Meyer. You, you take this job, you know, you have the number one pick, you know, it's Trevor Lawrence, right? How do you fucking hire Brian Schottenheimer? <laughs> Of all like the guys I, out there. Yeah, it's like that. And then how do you hire a racist strength and conditioning coach and think you're going to sneak that by everybody? Like, what a, what a fucking moron Urban <laughs> Meyer and the cons are. I mean, they are they are ridiculously dumb. And poor Trent Balky's just sitting here just like, yeah, I'm just here. Just I'm just collecting my paycheck so I don't get fined. Jesus. Yeah, it, it's a total disaster. And it's it's just so Jacksonville. Like, it's so Jacksonville for them to hire out of everybody that was – they could have hired, like, there's so many offensive coaches out there that were interesting or, you know, probably would have been lining up to work with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and they go get the one guy that shunned him and made him go play for <laughs> a school besides, like – probably the school he wanted to go to his home state school, uh, Georgia, you know, and apparently the, you know, the story was that Schottenheimer was so uh, enamored with uh, Jacob Eason and who, who some left? left-handed who quarterback left <laughs> who I'd, I don't even know. I, you know, I think maybe I'd heard the name before, but I have no idea who he is or where, what he's doing now, because, but it's not playing NFL football. Um, but yeah, he was so uh, so excited about those guys that he just ignored Trevor Lawrence. Apparently, made him wait in line for like an hour to get in and stuff like that. It was, it's just, it's so funny. It's so funny and it's wonderful. And it couldn't happen to a better better football organization. I yeah, mean, there's I, no way that Trevor Lawrence lives up to the number one hype, right? I mean, because you got to look at it this way. He's had pretty much everything go right for him pretty much his whole life. And he's going to Jacksonville that is an utter disaster of a team with a coach that doesn't have any clue what is going on, and especially a quarterback coach who is in going to try and develop, you know, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, man, I mean, he could not. He needs to demand a trade out of Jacksonville before the draft starts. I mean, I just would. I, I just don't know why he's not. Yeah, the other name on that that Brian Schottenheimer was apparently all tore up about was Bailey Hawkman, who ended up at <laughs> NC State, and things haven't gone well at NC State. He has now entered the transfer portal to Middle Tennessee State University. Oh, so, good. Yeah, so there's now a local tie to this. No 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 hard feelings towards MTSU, but 
this man that Brian Schottenheimer thought was the next great Georgia quarterback is now on his way to the conference USA. So Listen, good news, middle fans. You got a quarterback that at least one NFL coach <laughs> believes is better than Trevor Lawrence. So, Oh my God, listen, please write that down because in next year's draft, some analyst is going to throw this out there when he gets picked up in the seventh round or something, or like a free agency grab. This is a guy that I'm telling you at one point, NFL teams were high on this guy. There were there were it sources inside the NFL that were a big fan of his in college and thought he had big potential. That's absolutely going to be said by some. One hundred percent. I'm so, I'm gonna I'm gonna just start referring to him as left-handed Trevor Lawrence. Also, um, I encourage everybody. I, I know we're probably wrapping up, but I encourage everybody to go to the San Francisco 49ers Reddit. It is a it is just a <laughs> meme battle right now. Uh, over Mac Jones and the San Francisco 49ers pick. Those that are pro-Mac and anti-Mac, it is a meme battle, and it is epic. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely going to go check this out. I, just the last thing I want to say about this whole Brian Schottenheimer thing, this is kind of where I'm at with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've built this failure up in my head so big that if they succeed and this works out, despite all the signs pointing towards this is going to be an epic disaster in Florida, in Jacksonville, I, I may have i may question being an nfl fan anymore because i may just realize that i don't understand the game i just everything is pointing to this being such a mess urban meyer has such a history of being a a quitter when things don't go his way the staff hires he's making are terrible i think they're going to waste trevor lawrence for three years of just sputtering in an offense that has no tools with a coach that is arrogant and doesn't know what he's doing in the NFL. If this pans out, if it works, if they end up in the playoffs and dominating the AFC South, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't see it happening because they signed what 30 special team player, them and the Texans between the two signed uh, 50 special teams players that, you know, because apparently they feel they can field, you know, 20 on kickoff or whatever, but I just don't see it. I just don't think it's going to happen. And listen, I I don't know what I'll do, but I'll do something big if they make the playoffs with Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, and Brian Schottenheimer. All three of those guys. They have to all three be there. I'll do something. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll take your uh, show suge- or your uh, suggestions from from the fans yeah. as what Zach should do uh, if they make the playoffs. Listen, I know there are people out there who are hitting me up on Twitter yesterday asking for my reaction to Isaiah Wilson's rap album to save Zach's brain. We're not going to do that. Also. We got a lot to talk about or a lot of ground to cover in the off season after the draft, because you think it's bad now with mock drafts. Wait until we get about three weeks after the draft and it truly is off season and we don't have a lot to talk about. I will definitely be discussing this man's rap album in detail at some point. We're not going to do it today. I can't do it to Zach. I also can't do it to myself because I need a solid 20 minutes to really rip this thing apart. And I just don't, we don't have the time this morning. Don't have the time. We're at time. We We just don't have the time. We're just out of time. Um, but we thank you for your time and tuning in as always. Football and other F words, of course, were brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. Grab yourself a premium membership if you have not. Um, for the podcast, if you will rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. Tell people that you listen to it uh, if you enjoy this. If you don't enjoy it, share it anyway, because I don't really care about your opinion. I just want you to do what I'm asking you to do, which is to share my podcast. And if you've gotten this far into it, you don't like it, and you're listening to me tell you to share it, I don't, know to, I don't know what to do with you. You just listen to the whole thing. So gotcha, sucker. Anyways, <laughs> love you all. Thank you for tuning in as always. Football and other F-words, you've been effed.
Broadway Sports Media Production.